you know, once you conquer the physical in a sense like that, it's like, then what's next? Um, I'm still having disease. I'm still, you know, have the same stresses and stuff in life. And uh, even though I could put my feet on my head when I'm half asleep and stand on my hands, it doesn't really change a thing. Why, hello there. And welcome to Dharma Talk. You are listening to episode number 20, and I am your host, Henry Winslow. That audio clip that you just heard was a little snippet from my interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Joseph Insinia. And I wanted to start with that clip, not to put a depressing note on the beginning of this episode, but to let you hear straight from the horse's mouth from an international yoga champion, someone who has mastered the yoga poses, the physical side of the practice, that the physical side is not everything. Now, if you've listened to this show for a while, and if you heard my very first episode, episode 000, where I told kind of my story of how I got into the yoga practice and why I created this podcast, you know that Joseph was one of the integral teachers in the beginning of my journey with all of this. He really inspired me. And one thing that we talk about on this episode and this conversation was he actually had a very similar experience with another teacher that he looked up to. And I thought that was just a really cool little story about how we kind of pass these traditions along and and share the inspiration and the energy that drives all of us forward. Now, one of the reasons that Joseph has inspired so many people with his practice and his mission and his message is that he has had a long history of chronic health conditions, and that's what led him to yoga in the first place. He had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, something that he's still battling with daily as a chronic health condition, and he was on so many medications as a child that he actually had a heart attack at the age of 13. So... Yoga started to provide some relief to all of that, but then later on in life, some new health conditions emerged, and that's really shifted the way that he's looked at what yoga can do and and what his focus needs to be on. So we talk about that. We also talk about his foray and career in the yoga championships and how despite how silly that sounds and how most of us write it off when we first hear about it, how the yoga competitions are actually what he credits for the start of his personal healing process. We talk about why he is not interested in theoretical study, which is, you know, that's a concept that we talk about a lot in yoga. He is not into study. He is much more into the idea of method. And he talks about what that means and what it means to experience life through method. And finally, we talk about his mission to move children toward yoga and mindfulness, particularly in the school system, and then how you can start a similar program in your town or city. I can't wait for you to check out this interview with one of my very first teachers, a super inspiring yogi who we can all learn from. You'll hear from him right after these announcements. Dharma Talk super fans, I know some of you have been asking about this and waiting for it, so I'm excited to announce that our Dharma Talk shop is now live. And this shop is in partnership with We Are Yoga. Check back to episode number three for my interview with the founder, Will Jones. They're doing all kinds of fun stuff, not just with products, but with events and retreats and all that good stuff. So 
go check out the store. We've got t-shirts, hats. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, there may be some leggings up there as well. And you can get 10% off your order with code Henry Way. That's not just on the Dharma Talk stuff. That's on the entire We Are Yoga website. You can get there through henrywins.com slash way, W-A-Y, or you can navigate through weareyoga.com. Who's ready for summer vacation? Later this month, July 19th through 22nd, I'm going to be in Chicago for Chicago Waycation with We Are Yoga and 105F, Chicago's original hot yoga studio. I'm teaching vinyasa class and a special workshop on Uddiyana Bandha and Kriya, but personally, I'm really excited about taking class and workshops from all the other amazing teachers who are going to be there, like my friend Gianna Purcell, who appeared on episode five of this podcast. So if you want to come do all the yoga, learn a few things and have a lot of fun, then sign up and use my special promo code Henry Wei Chai to get 10% off your four day pass. Details and sign up are at henrywins.com events. If you're looking to rapidly advance your yoga practice in a short amount of time, or your understanding of the subtler practices of yoga, consider applying to the Labor Day Immersion at Lighthouse Yoga School. Jared McCann, Aviad Sasi, and I will be leading this 30-hour, four-day intensive yoga study to help you advance your asana practice to be sure. Lots of classes and focused posture clinics. But more importantly, there will be a group sadhana every morning. And it's our goal that you'll be able to walk away with a spiritual practice that supports you for the rest of your life. So get the details on that and sign up at henrywins.com slash events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm interviewing my friend and teacher, Joseph Insinia. Joseph feels the responsibility to share the gift of yoga for the rest of his life. The practice has healed him from a heart attack, kept his rheumatoid arthritis in remission, and assisted him in overcoming tumors. Joseph's method of practice has brought him success in the yoga championships, and now his main focus is cultivating the mind. More recently, Joseph founded a 501c3 nonprofit organization called Yoga Youth Movement, which is dedicated to inspiring youth to be strong future leaders who possess the attributes of confidence, determination, and focus in creating global peace through yoga. Joseph, you've got a lot going on. Excited to dive into it with you. How are you today? Thank you, Henry. Uh, I'm really good. And it's, uh, that, that sounded like a lot going on as well. <laughs> I didn't realize all that. <laughs> I know it's funny always to give these introductions and have, you know, the guests hear it. And sometimes, yeah, it's surprising to hear yourself talked about in third person and, and recognize all the work that you're doing. So thank you for, for well, all of your service. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking and happy to be on your show. 
Awesome. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive right into it. The first question I ask all my guests is this, what does the word Dharma mean to you? And what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Okay. Well, the word Dharma, uh, means to me, I guess I've, well, you know, it means purpose for a lot of people. Um, but I, I, I never really think about it so much. <laughs> I guess it means like my order in life, my purpose. And, um, for me, my Dharma at the moment is, is sharing, um, the lessons of Hatha yoga and Raja yoga, um, the physical path and the mental path of yoga, teaching people how to grow into it and cultivate it and produce something really nice physically and mentally. And uh, I believe that's my my dharma and also my karma <laughs> is to to be here on this earth and uh, to share that teaching. I'm I'm just really fortunate to be alive at the end of the day. And uh, because I'm alive and I've been giving multiple chances at life, uh, I really feel like my dharma is to share all of this that's that I've learned and experienced through amazing teachers and amazing uh, lessons in the yoga practice with others who struggle either physically, mentally, or emotionally with themselves. Amazing. Yeah. And I know your, your background story, but maybe some of the listeners don't. Could you take us back to, you know, that, that point when you first got introduced to yoga and, and where you were and why yoga became so important to you on your path? Uh, well, yeah. So for me, I never grew up in, in the yoga um, realm. I was uh, pretty far from it as a child. And as a teenager, I grew up um, in a strict like kind of Catholic school atmosphere. Uh, and, and through those years, I had series and series of health problems from um, rheumatoid arthritis at a very young age. I was diagnosed when I was eight and actually started seeing the side effects. I remember even younger, like when I was in kindergarten, um, and had surgeries by the time I was 11 in my knee joints, uh, which were, you know, very arthritic and still are. And um, all that just kind of led me down a really bad path growing up where I was on tons of medication for arthritis and then also for the side effects of the medication from arthritis. And uh, when I was 13, I had uh, an angina of my pulmonary artery. So it's like uh, the, the artery that connects the heart to the lungs so was closed and that you know that was a heart attack and um my life after that was uh even a little bit harder because of more medication and doctor's visits and i was just always in and out of the hospital uh growing up never really playing sports or super physically active and um yeah that was pretty much it until i started looking for something to to make myself feel better and stronger and fortunately uh after a lot of trial and error i came across yoga and uh, I never even thought about it, you know, growing up. I never even, I, I didn't even live close. My existence was so far from the teaching of yoga that when I found it, I found it with um, Bikram Yoga in Dallas, Texas. And uh, at first, like my idea of yoga was just workout, you know, which is very obvious when you go to a Hatha yoga class or a hot yoga class. Um, but over the years, it's really just transformed into a full body, uh, mind, spirit philosophy. And um that, that's been my journey. Um, you know, it, it took me from being really sick to becoming a, an international yoga champion. And, and now I'm kind of looking back at all of that because that was many years ago and uh, really appreciative of what the yoga lessons have given me. And, you know, focusing a lot more on how I can share that with others and um, even the, the deeper levels of, of the yoga practice um, 
you know, so that that's where I'm at now, and that's where I came from. Uh, yeah, I I think that's a very natural process um, with anything, but also especially with yoga to kind of start with this gross, more obvious level, and then recognize the subtlety that's underneath that, and be able to apply it more universally. So I can mm-hmm. definitely appreciate coming at it from the physical angle, and then you know, kind of surprising yeah. yourself with what you're able to do. Along the way, when you first got got started with all of this, did you ever think that you would end up competing in yoga? Because I know no. that again, yeah, you were you were interested in healing yourself. Yeah. So you how know, did that kind of unfold? Well, yeah, just trying to lose weight, and um, I was about right now weigh. I'll tell everybody because my weight's always around the same, about 130 pounds. And at the time I started yoga, I was about 175, 80 pounds, and so. Uh, for, for my frame, that's a lot of extra weight. And uh, I just really wanted to lose weight and uh, feel confident about myself physically. I was about 18 or 19 years old when I started yoga. I was still on tons of medication. And um, in that first year, I think because I was young, I really lost a dramatic amount of weight. And it just felt so good. And I was looking and feeling very happy about myself and confident. My yoga teachers uh, then told me about this yoga championship happening in Austin. And I was in Dallas, Texas at the time. This was 2005. And I thought, yoga competition? Like, that sounds kind of stupid. <laughs> and my <laughs> teachers were like, hey, well, it's not really like that, you know. Um, and it, it's, that's, that's the normal reaction. I mean, I became the president of yoga sport for a while. And that's like the normal reaction from any normal person is like, that's stupid. Because, you know, you don't think the two really go well together. And, well, my teachers showed me some videos, and they were like, no, it's more of a demonstration-based championship. And if it's a competition, it's really versus yourself. And, you know, being, you know, sick your whole life and overcoming um, a couple things in this last year, I think you should try it. And I was really appreciative of my teachers um, in Dallas, Texas at the time, David and Karen Buckner, who owned the Dallas, Texas studio. They were super supportive. They became like my yoga parents and... uh, I remember the way they put it is like they saw a diamond in the rough. So they kept trying to polish me, polish me. And then mm-hmm. they recommended I do the championships. And, um, you know, after being convinced and um, never having done like a sporting event, and I was about 19 years old when I started the competition, um, I was like, yeah, why not? Because I never did sports because of all my health conditions growing up and being born and raised in Texas. And I actually have a twin brother, a fraternal twin brother who's super athletic growing up. It was always like, you know, kind of like a, the downside of me was that I wasn't a very athletic person. So I figured yoga sport, why not? It's so easy. Jumped into it. And, uh, it was, it was really inspiring. I mean, it was, it was, it was horrifying and terrifying in my first experience. I like fell flat on my face and, uh, I think I probably paid place last. And, um, at the time, one of the other guys that were participating was Kay Ha, who was an international champion and uh, was one of the main judges at the championships this weekend in Madison, Wisconsin. And he was like, you know, competing because he was from Houston, Texas. And I was looking at him with his six pack and amazing postures and like looking at myself. And I had like awkward curly hair and I was still a little <laughs> overweight. And I never wore short shorts up until that point in my yoga practice. Um, I always wore like long running shorts. And so uh, it was just really chaotic. And I remember just sweating profusely and being super shaky. But at the end of it, just being really, really supported by um, the other the other people participating in the championship and also my teachers. And, 
you know, the whole community was just like, great job. You know, you did amazing. You went up there and it's okay. You fell. You could try it next year. And, and for me that, that automatically started, uh, this, this process of like wanting to be physically stronger, knowing that I could be physically stronger for the first time in my life. And, I really credit a lot of my personal healing to the championships. As as weird as that sounds, you know, uh, I think that the yoga championships really gave me uh, an avenue to go down and to really see a goal at the end and think, yeah, eventually one day I want to be like this guy. And I remember the first yogi that I was really inspired by in championships was Keha because he was like the winner that year. And, you know, the next year he went on to become the international champion. And just looking at the ability he had, I was like, that is amazing. You know, it's crazy. I've never seen a guy do these things. And uh, and then I heard his story that he had a car accident and he had to fix his body up. And I thought, wow, like if he could do that with a car accident and, you know, with me and all my medical conditions, I think over time I could probably do that. And every year just became like um, another step into that progression where, each, each year I was getting stronger and the level of postures I was participating with, we were getting higher and higher. And that like was going hand in hand with coming off medication, feeling a lot more confident, losing a ton of weight. So um, in the beginning of my practice, that was what really drew that forward was this, this championship and this, this desire to be physically fit and almost like superhero-like because that's what I saw when I saw these yogis do their demonstrations. I'm like... They have no bones. They gravity, you know, the rules of gravity don't apply to them. They're like floating in the air. And it looks like that in some of their asanas. And um, so I was just really inspired by that in the beginning and very thankful for my my um, career in the championships, because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be the, the yoga practitioner I am now or on the path that I am on now. And uh, that was like the biggest part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But if I could, I mean, I'm going to kind of go off top. Well, not off topic, but. I'm just going to say kind of what I realized from all that, you know, and it was a lot of hard work and um, it was a lot of effort and it it took me off five types of medication and brought my arthritis in remission and, uh, you know, kept my heart uh, disease under control. But at the end of it all, like about 11 years into that championship career, um, from a beginning yoga student to tenure teacher and championship, I started to understand that. Being able to do an, an amazing yoga posture wasn't the end of it all. Um, I was still suffering with the same um, issues, you know, maybe emotionally and mentally. And physically, um, about four years ago, I started uh, growing tumors on my form, which was really a big, uh, like a big hit because I'm a, a yoga champion who does a lot of handstands, you know, and a lot of arm balancing. And a lot of people know me for these transitions that I do on my arms and uh almost acrobatic in a sense. And uh, about four years ago, I had this tumor come up and I've had two of them and two operations since. And I've started to realize that all that physical work is just one side of it, that it's it's not a, a cure-all, you know, I can do handstand scorpion, but my life physically isn't going to be perfect. And there's something else on a deeper level that, uh, that, that showed me because, you know, once you conquer the physical in a sense like that, it's like, then what's next? Um, I'm still having disease. I'm still, you know, have the same stresses and stuff in life. And uh, even though I could put my feet on my head when I'm half asleep and stand on my hands, it doesn't really change a thing. And uh, more and more, that's that's kind of where um, I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards now in my in my yoga practice and also in the information that I share 
um, with 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 the yoga. And this weekend at the international yoga championships, it was it was really nice because um, for the first time I felt personally the blend between both on my end. And I think that kind of uh, went out into the crowd a little bit because a lot of people I was emceeing the championships and they're like. That was a lot of like spiritual meditational talk, you know, and uh, for me, it was really nice to bring these uh, lessons back to the championships, having experienced the championships for so many years mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, trying to plant seeds for the future with, with other yogis, you know, you know, kind of helping that process that the physical vehicle is, is very important, but without a strong, strong driver that be and uh, I realized that personally, and that's kind of the journey I'm on right now. Yeah, um, I really appreciate you saying that. And also, just to take a step back a little bit, um, you were talking about how much you were inspired by Keha when you first got started. That Even that little point, you know, really made me resonate with your story even more because, you know, you were the first person who ever taught me the Bikram Advanced class, which for the listeners who aren't aware, this is kind of like, at least... At the time, years ago, this was sort of like the breeding ground for training for these competitions and seeing what else was possible beyond the um, the regular beginning Bikram's class. And I remember taking that class for the first time with you and, and seeing you do, you know, these feats that seemed impossible to me. Like, just like you said, no bones, you know, defying the rules of gravity. You're doing the handstand scorpion. I thought, wow, okay. But I didn't think this is impossible. I thought, okay, if he can do it, then that means that I can do it eventually, That's great. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I had the exact same kind of, uh, mental path as you. I saw somebody else do it and thought, okay, there's, there's so much more to explore here. So, you know, that's such a powerful experience to have. And then the other thing I'll say about your story is that I really liked what you said when you were emceeing at the competition this weekend, when you said, we're not trying to change yoga and turn it into all the other sports out there what we're trying to do is use yoga to influ to infuse this mentality into a sports dominated culture at large mm -hmm. so such an important thing to be able to um you know reconcile the difference between uh conflict and competition versus support and community and and i think mm -hmm. that that's happening i think that's happening yeah, it, it really is. And, and this is why I love the yoga sport movement. Um, and because it, it does bring those two things, but it, it's a fine line. You know, I think it, it's a, it's all about the consciousness of the individual, you know, because I've seen some yogis be very egotistical up on stage as well. And, you know, not being able to take their defeats is the same as, you know, um, losing your, your control in, in terms of the physical meditation you do on stage. So, it's a fine control and a balance between this competitive culture and inspiring community. And I, and I think still in the championships, we see both, but more and more and more, I hope the seeds are planted for this sport to grow in a, in a non-combative way, you know, because just like anything, um, when it becomes popular and commercialized in this country, unfortunately, things get very competitive. Yes. <laughs> and I love how yoga sport is kind of just on its, uh, it, it's like a, you know, it's a subculture thing and, uh, it, it's, it's stayed pure over the years because of that. And, uh, and right now with, with the leadership that that's involved, I think it's going to continue this direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So you were starting to talk about how your yoga practice and your focus in, in your yoga has changed as you've, I mean, these are my words, not yours. So, um, as you've sort of mastered the physical, you know, you can do all the poses. You don't really have to think about that too much anymore, but then once that clears away, there are these new challenges. So, you know, what are you doing now differently? How, how has that really affected your day to day in your practice? Um, well, uh, you know, I, um, Oh, what am I doing now differently? I'm doing a lot more personal meditation um, in terms of yoga practice, uh, like, you know, um, more daily rituals and methods of, of this. And uh, I, I've come to realize, like, just like, you know, one would practice a yoga class for an hour to an hour and a half on a daily basis and make that a regular re- uh, method in their schedule. It's very important to make meditation and, um, you know, also uh, community service a regular method in your schedule and i find that by doing that it opens all these other uh avenues of experience um that are more uh that are at a deeper level than just the physical and so um you know uh for me it's all method based um and and i kind of wrote that in one of my introduction uh sentences like that my method uh, has brought me to you know these things and whatnot and when i say method i'm not talking about like a specific style of teaching or a specific teacher um I find that in, in yoga, and the, the most famous quote that they say is yoga, or from Patavi Joyce, is it's 99% practice, 1% theory. And it's easy to really get caught up in theories and, and to want to, to, to wanna chase this theory and then chase this teaching and then chase this style and then go to that theory and that style. And um, for me, it gets very confusing, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm lost. And so what I found is method and just choosing very simple methods, whether it's a 26 and two practice that I do, you know, every other day or every, you know, a few days a week, or if it's, um, you know, saying specific mantra with my prayer beads, uh, 108 times, multiple times a day, or, uh, you know, setting myself in stillness for five minutes every morning when I wake up with my alarm clock. Uh, I find that methods are the best way to grow in yoga and uh, this is really where uh, I guess my, my focus is directed, and I like to share this with others. And there's so much information out there about, uh, you know, the physical, like, teaching and the mental teaching and the spiritual teaching. But when you really start to find methods of practice, that's when things change. And that's just like making, making it a regular thing in your life. You know, we say you should treat your yoga class like brushing your teeth. And I think we should treat cultivating the mind and the spirit in the same manner. Um, so for me, I've been doing specific methods like, you know, for cultivating my spirit, working at a community garden and, you know, spending multiple hours there a week and, you know, giving out free leaves to people and herbs that I grow and salad, bowl lettuce and, you know, all this kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the more mental method has been, especially for me, because I have a busy mind, uh, mantra, you know, using prayer beads. And uh, I have a few mantras that I um, continuously focus on. And I like to wear my prayer beads and they're pretty heavy because sometimes when I feel like my mind is becoming a little bit out of control, it's like a leash around my neck. And it it reminds me to to, to bring myself back to the center. And Mm -hmm. um, so I've been finding more and more trying to find just regular methods rather than going out and seeking extra teachings or or, uh, reading more books. Uh, for me, it's 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 really based in practice, and I find that when something is based in just practice, whether it's mantra practice, 
hatha yoga asana practice or going out and being you know of service in terms of your community these these the lessons that i find just from these actions are a lot more i think um they say stick in with me and with the individual uh more than study and uh I follow like some some great gurus on on YouTube, and one of the guys that I, I listen to a lot, Sadhguru Vesadev. I, I really love his straightforwardness. He's of the Isha Foundation, and um, one of his big thing is there is no teachings. You know, like he's like I've never read all the books and this book and that book. I just experience life, and and I'm finding more and more that. Um, I'm grateful to have the health I have, you know, with all the disease, but we need to experience life. And, um, and if we go along our life with certain methods of practice, we're able to get deeper and deeper until these methods become more than just, you know, a simple 26 and two series or a simple mantra. They become way, way deeper. And then we're able to look at ourselves on a deeper level of introspection. And so I think that for the next stage, especially for, you know, yoga competitors or physically based yoga champions or yogi practitioners, because that's where I came from. It's, it's more, okay, the external starts to work. The external starts to become almost conquered in a sense where we're able to control it and manifest beautiful things. But then we have to jump into the internal. And I find that the best way to jump into the internal, because it's so easy to get lost, is just to find simple methods of control either meditation or you know mantra based or yeah that's it it's just scheduling yourself to do things on a weekly daily basis and maybe in the first six months you don't see a difference but after about a year of it you start to really see the difference and uh and it's uh it's difficult i find with uh sharing this teaching because you know some people's minds are all over the place with uh especially the way our society runs nowadays with fast information and technology it's easy to be uh, inspired by the next cool thing, and it's harder to stick with one method. And yes, so the, the I, shiny I, I object methods, syndrome. Yeah, all methods are great methods, um, and I'm, I'm not one to say, you know, this yoga style is better than that, or this meditation style is better than that, or this guru, because I think that's a, an arrogant statement, and all methods are great, whether, you know, you choose whatever you want to do in this yoga life. Um, but as long as you have to stick to it, you know, you, and that's where I find uh, the, the most difficulty in terms of discipline when it comes to cultivating the mind and the spirit is sticking to it. And in our culture, it's, it's easy to stick to it physically because the results are so apparent. You know, you, you look in a mirror, you're like, hey, <laughs> but uh, right. You get the positive feedback to know that it's working, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah, but I find that the more I, I well, dive into my, my dharma, my, my true nature, my purpose, that you don't get the positive feedback and more and more you get tested, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and you got to stick through those tests, you know, because you're like, all right, I'm at peace, but I'm getting disturbed. I'm getting disturbed. OK, got to be at peace, you know, whatever the situation is. And, um, you know, really stick with your own true nature and to 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 go deeper into your your dharmas, I find a lot more um challenging than it is to to grow physically because mm -hmm. it you can't see the results and other people aren't going to compliment your results you know and you know on the physical level you you get that but on on these other levels of spirit and mind it's it's you have to be you know the gardener and also the person who who, who inspires and, and and appreciates your own yeah. your own success nobody else is going to do it for you the gardener and the connoisseur, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, that's it right there.
yeah yeah it's like what what can you be right what what can you be consistent with it's like you said any any method no method is better than another but ultimately it's what you can take ownership over and be accountable Mm -hmm. with that will actually allow you to grow yes 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 and and this is like this is yoga you know um this is Niksha Karma, um, and this was a mantra that was given to me by my teacher's teacher, uh, my teacher Rajasri Chowdhury, or teacher Dr. Das. And one day, he just looks at me, and he just gives me like this blank statement. I'm like, that's the mantra. And it's, do your duty and expect nothing in return. And, mm-hmm. and that right there, that's like my main mantra that I say mostly with my prayer beads. Um, you know, it's, it's the mantra of service. And and you can't expect other people to appreciate it when you start cultivating yourself, you know, spiritually and mentally. Other, otherwise, it becomes um, vain or naive. And, uh, to, and no to longer really driven be, by service. Exactly. No longer driven by service. So, so to be truly of service and be a karmic yogi in this sense, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's so freaking hard, you know, because uh, the level of appreciation isn't there. And... Um, nobody else is like hey good job you're a good person you know when you're a yoga student i remember oh hey you've lost weight oh my god you're going further into the posture so it's very easy to get this positive positive feedback but i find that the more and more you you go deeper and deeper it becomes a little more difficult and but with that it's it's a lot more personal and true because yeah. it comes from you it doesn't come from anyone else and and uh, and I think if everybody in the world starts, you know, looking at their personal dharma and also living a life of karma and service, this world would be a way better place. You know, it would just be such a better place. Well, Joseph, I want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about what you're doing for the yoga youth movement on the topic oh. of service and yeah. at the risk of, you know, talking about your project, because I know that it does come from a selfless place. Yeah. Okay. Well, the yoga youth movement was uh, created about four, four or five years ago as a 501c3 educational nonprofit. And, um, you know, the, the movement is trying to move kids towards yoga. <laughs> that, that's, that's my movement is like, how do I convince children and the youth that yoga is something accessible, it's, it's going to help them, and also that it's, it's cool. It's, so, you know, it's, it's, it's cool for them to do it. And I think more and more our culture is starting to cultivate yoga being something that everybody does for not only fitness mental, uh, physically, but also mentally. So children are starting to really understand that yoga means stillness. Um, but the mission of the Yoga Youth Movement is mostly I go to uh, schools. Uh, I like to visit primarily at-risk schools in specific neighborhoods in NYC, like uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn, or Harlem, Manhattan, or Jackson Heights, Queens, you know, where where there's a little more um, conflict in terms of children's lives, like they grow up with, you know, a lot more struggle. And I like to introduce yoga to them because, uh, unfortunately, yoga is is an expensive business and for children to have access to it, it, especially where I'm going, it has to be given in terms of free service. Um, So usually I I set up um, with a, you know, principal to do either a day in the gym and all the gym classes, I'll give a presentation, talk to the kids about yoga, or we set up an after school class or a summer class where we we sponsor yoga mats to them. It's like an hour and a half class. I give them information to take home and, you know, just try to really inspire kids 
to, to have a yoga practice and, to, and to, to consider yoga as something that they can do. So a lot of the, the nonprofit work I do is giving out yoga mats. <laughs> I give a lot of yoga mats out to a lot of kids because I figured, like, what is the tool you need to practice yoga as a yoga mat? And if you have one, you know, and if it's in your bedroom, if it's in your apartment, if it's in your home, you know, kids are more and more inclined to be like, all right, I'm going to stretch on that or I'm going to use that and meditate with it. So the yoga mats uh, outreach is kind of the biggest one that I do. And luckily I have um, some good supporters who, who help to fund that, you know, for every event that I do, I, I give out yoga mats. Nice. Yeah, that's like the one thing that you need and you don't even really need it, but it's a little reminder that it's yeah. there waiting for you and it's an invitation to get back into your practice. So I can definitely yeah. see how that can work as a symbol even. And um, if it, can I can I throw out something to the listeners? Like if, yeah. if they want to contact me and um, you know start a yoga program in, in your city, or if you have a elementary school or middle school you work with, uh, you can reach out to me at yogayouthmovement.com, and um, or yogayouthmovement at gmail.com. And I have an hour class. I'll give it to you for free. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much an outline for an hour class for the kids. I mean, you have to apply your own energy, but. That's part of my movement is also supplying people with uh, information on how to give a class to the youth. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. So, so thank you for letting me uh, share that. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is all about, giving you a platform yeah. to share what's meaningful to you. So thanks for doing that. Um, oh, yes. Joseph, you know, I think now is as good a time as any to move on to what I call the prana round. Ooh. This is a fun little segment at the end of the show. Um, I'm going to ask you six rapid-fire questions and ask you to answer a minimum <laughs> one word, maximum one sentence, okay? Minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Yeah. Round. This sounds fun, man. You have a good show. I love it. All right. <laughs> Thanks. All right, here we go. Question number one. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Wellness. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Scorpion, uh, the feet stamp out the ego. <laughs> nice. I think Iyengar said that, right? Yes, yes. That's very, very, very paraphrased. He has a beautiful explanation. On light on yoga. <laughs> I recommend everybody check it out. <laughs> okay, what's the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Oh, wow. The thing that just popped off my head was amazing. <laughs> I kind of feel bad about it. No, you got to go with the first one. Let's hear it. Uh, the greatest advice that I've ever gotten from a yoga teacher, and this is was well, directed to me as a teacher, mm -hmm. which helped me to grow, was not everybody's trying to be a champion, Joseph. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. It's like, are we so focused on the yoga that we are not realizing that it's there to serve our lives? Okay, recommend yeah. one book, <laughs> modern or ancient, for our audience. You just mentioned Late on Yoga. You can use that one, or if you want to recommend another book, that's um, fine too. Okay, Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita, classic. The Bhagavad okay. Gita, yes, that's the, the best. Oh, 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 one more book, if I, if yeah. I can. Sure. Tree of Yoga, BKS Iyengar. If you can okay. find it, it's amazing. Um, it's only published in India, so you might have to order it from India. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, is yoga for everyone? Yes. Okay. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you, and how can we support you in your dharma? 
Okay, well, first, um, how you can support me and my dharma and yourself and your dharma is continue to share your duty. Um, you know, continue to share whatever it is you, you, you give to this world and to, to others around you. Um, that's our dharma, so we should always continue that. My dharma is being a yoga instructor, and I'm very blessed and grateful for that. And if you would like to continue to support um, that movement that, I, that I'm going along, and uh, you can visit me at my website, which is josephinsenia.com. And um, I'm working on producing some great resources and videos for you all in terms of uh, lessons and guided trainings and meditations. So uh, stay in touch with me either at that website, josephinsenia.com, or you can always get me at Instagram or Facebook at joseph underscore insenia. And uh, continue to live your purpose and, uh, and and serve others. That's that's the ultimate, you know. I think that's the ultimate karma that we can apply to whatever our purpose, our true dharma, is to make sure that we understand that. And whatever it is you, you give to this world, give it to others and try to give as freely as you can to others. Um, and and way more will come back to you than you can ever expect. Excellent parting words of wisdom and guidance. Thank you so much, Joseph, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and seeing you this past weekend. So thank you. I appreciate it, Henry, and uh, much love for you. And I'm a big fan of you and your father, Boyd. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Big shout out to Boyd. Love you, man. Shout out to Boyd. All right. Thanks, Joseph. You're welcome. If you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, Keep living your dharma.